tell you, I, I know I'm not lifting anybody up and I say this, but I appreciate Brother Doyle Rattery, don't you? Amen. Just a good testimony. Appreciate his, I appreciate the man of God and the blessing he's been. And I want to preach a few minutes tonight, if you will, from the book of Psalms, chapter number 30. Psalms chapter 30, and you pray for me. I'm just going to use this mic here tonight. Um, I don't know. I reckon everybody's had everything, so I'm not in any way complaining. Whatever I've had, it seems like it's been since August. I mean, it'll go away, and I'll say, praise God, it's over, and then it comes right back. And so uh, the only thing I know to do is keep taking drugs, and I don't know about y'all. I don't like drugs, amen? And uh, so uh, y'all pray for me, and I'll pray for you, but I'm not complaining. As Brother Cape used to say, I'm just explaining, amen? So I'm going to try to be careful tonight. Uh, we have been having a good meeting down in uh, Conyers, Georgia there. Pray for them. Pray for that revival. And I appreciate the pastor uh, letting me come home. I started just telling pastors, I said, I'm no good on Wednesday night. Y'all need to let me go home and get you somebody else, and I'll be back Thursday and Friday. And so I, I got the whole month of February off with pastors, so I count that a blessing. Amen. And uh, so I appreciate the church praying for us and appreciate what God has been doing. We do have a young lady that's been in the meeting that needs to get right with God, and so the Lord knows about that, and uh, do pray about that. And then I had a pastor call me this afternoon uh, that uh, we will be within a few weeks that is just brokenhearted over his son and uh, and situation there. And so I promised him, I said, Brother, I said, I will have our church praying for you. So God knows the, the situation and the need and if you just breathe a prayer for him tonight it's a very difficult service for him and his family but I know God's able to take care of them as well amen Psalms chapter 30 if you're able to stand with us in reverence to the word of God and prayer Psalms chapter number 30 and verse number 1 tonight the Bible says I will extol thee O Lord for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me O Lord my God I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me O Lord, Thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. For His anger endureth but a moment, and in His favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in my prosperity I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by thy favor thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. I cried to thee, O Lord, unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. Thou hast turned uh, for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me from, with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Let's bow for a word of prayer and then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence tonight, God, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank you that you've allowed us to be in church. We thank you for the saints of God. Lord, we thank you for this good number tonight. I pray that you'll bless all that have come this way. I pray, Lord, most of all, that you'll take your 
your word and penetrate our hearts. I pray that we'll open our hearts and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Lord, may it not just be a normal Wednesday night prayer meeting, but I pray, God, that you do things in our hearts and lives and challenge us and change us for the glory of God. And may we leave different than we came tonight. And we'll thank you for all that you have done and all that you're going to do. For we do ask it in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to say on the outset of this message tonight that the background of this psalm, we do not know exactly when and we do not know where this psalm was written, but we do know who wrote this psalm. We know that David wrote this psalm and that it is a psalm of David. We do not know that when David talks about the house of the about the house, if David is talking about the house of God, or if David is talking about his own house in Psalms 30. But we'll not take time to really deal with the background of this psalm, for I don't think that that is the importance of it tonight. But what is of importance in Psalms 30 is not necessarily when David wrote it or where he wrote it, but why David wrote this psalm. When you come to Psalms chapter number 30, David is doing three things here. We find David in Psalms chapter 30 that number one, he is remembering. David is looking back and he is remembering throughout his life and he is looking back and he is also recognizing some things. There is some things in Psalms 30 that David calls to our attention that some are pleasant and some are not pleasant for David. But nevertheless, as he views his life and remembers, there are things that he must recognize whether it be good or whether it be bad. And then finally, David is rejoicing in this psalm here. And can I stop and say that whenever we look back through our life and we remember the good hand of God and we remember what God has done for us and we recognize both the victories and the failures in our life, we still have to raise our hand along with David and rejoice and say, the Lord has been good to me. Amen. And so what Psalms chapter 30 is tonight, it is simply David taking a look back through life uh, and realizing that life has taught him some very valuable lessons. Amen. And I want to just simply walk through this psalm a few minutes tonight and look at some of the lessons of life that David has learned in Psalms chapter 30. First of all, I want to begin in verses 1 down to verse number 3 here with David's protection. Amen. One of the things that David has learned uh, throughout his life is that the hand of God will all always be there to protect you when you need him. I want to stop and say thank God along with David. I'm glad that I serve a God that his unseen hand has protected me more times uh, than what I ever can remember. And David says in verse number one, he says, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up. Do you feel that way in life? Do you feel like whenever there's been times when the valley was so deep and when the way was so long? when the enemies were all around you? Do you ever feel like somewhere, uh, uh, somehow, in some way, there was an unseen hand that just somehow picked you up and got you through whatever you was going through in life? And he said, Lord, I want to exalt you and extol
extol you because you have lifted me up. And notice here that David mentions he has been protected from his foes. He said, you have lifted me up and has not made my foes to rejoice over me. You see, my friend, everybody has got enemies tonight. It doesn't matter how much you, how long you serve God. It doesn't matter how nice you may try to be. If you live for God, 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 12 will be a reality in all of our life. The Bible says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's going to be people that's just not going to like you because you're living a godly life. Amen? And that's the way it ought to be. If you're living for God, then the ungodly should not have anything in connection with you. And David had his enemies, didn't he? David had his foes. Every time it seemed like the enemy was going to get the victory, every time it seemed like the enemy was going to prevail, somehow there was that unseen hand that picked David up. He rose him above Goliath. When it looked like Goliath was bigger, he rose him up above the Philistines. When it looked like he was outnumbered, and he rose him up above a King Saul. When it looked like Saul had more power and had more authority, showing that God will protect us from our enemies in this life. And so David talks about the protection of God from his foes. And then he talks about the protection of God from his own flesh. Notice what he said in verse 2 and 3. He said, O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. He said, O Lord, thou hast brought me up, my soul, or brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down into the pit. David, my friend, somewheres in life, uh, physically, he had reached a point that he nearly came or he came to death's door and he nearly died. But God not only delivered him from his own foe, but he healed his flesh. Amen. I'm glad that I serve a God that's able to touch this body. Amen. I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel, but I'm not going to let the charismatic and the Pentecostal crown stop me from believing that God made this body and God is able to heal this body. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, we could fill this building tonight with people who have testimonies, who have been healed of cancer. They've been healed of heart disease. They've been healed of kidney disease. They have been healed of physical ailments that there was no explanation other than God reached down and touched their body. Amen. I'm telling you, God does heal in this day and time. I don't believe in divine healers, but I believe in divine healing tonight, don't you? I believe if any among you be sick, let him call the elders of the church and let him let them pray over him in the prayer of faith shall save the sick. There's no, uh, there's nothing special about that oil that we put on them. Uh, there's nothing special about the, uh, the actual physical hand laying upon that person, although that's what we're commanded to do. You say, well, what is it that touches God and moves God? It's not the oil and it's not the brethren and it's not the hand, but it's the faith uh, of the individual that is calling for the elders of the church uh, uh, to pray. And if they've confessed their sins, uh, uh, then my 
my friend, the Bible says their sins shall be forgiven of them and they shall be healed. Amen. And so David is talking about protection. He has learned one of the valuable lessons of life that David cannot take care of himself, but that God can protect him in any situation that he faces in life. You know, I think we would do well in life to just remember, this preacher included, if we just remember to lean on the protection of God. We ought not trust ourselves, and we we ought not trust others tonight more than what we trust God. There is no security, my friend, outside God's security tonight. And David learns uh, uh, this lesson. I see David's protection. And then secondly, I see something else in verse number 4 and 5. I see David's praise. The Bible says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. For His anger endureth but a moment. In His favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I see David. David's protection, but then I see David's praise. Now David is praising God for two uh, in particular, for two particular things. Uh, he's praising God uh, for two very important truths tonight. You say, what is that, preacher? Well, number one, he is praising God for his character. Amen. He says, "Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and notice this, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness." Amen. Now, isn't that interesting? tonight because when you think about the character of God tonight the character of God is holiness. Amen. Uh, God may have many attributes uh, uh, but my friend the essence of God and who God is tonight the Bible says that God is holy. Amen. You see God can't be anything but holy. I'm glad we serve a holy God tonight. Well there's not a lot of people praising Him for holiness anymore are there? It seems like holiness has become the curse word in most of our Baptist churches today. When you start preaching about salvation, people say amen. If you're preaching about the second coming, people say amen. But you get on the doctrine of separation and watch how quiet it gets in church. And don't let it get quiet right now while I'm preaching on separation. If if there's ever a time you ought to back a preacher up, it's when he's preaching holiness. Amen. God is a holy God and we are to be a holy people. Now we can't be sinless and we can't be perfect, but we're to be blameless. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 2 that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without, uh, uh, listen, without reproach, uh, uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in this world. Now God said, that there is positional holiness, uh, but there is practical holiness. Amen? And see, tonight, uh, uh, that positional holiness uh, is the fact that only God can make me holy. Amen? Without the blood of Jesus tonight and the righteousness of Christ, uh, it would be virtually impossible for us to be holy. Amen? You see, all that we can do, our righteousness, is filthy rags. Is that true? And so there's positional holiness. But 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 1 teaches us that there's practical holiness. Amen. He said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So God said, I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to wash you in my blood. I'm going to apply the righteousness of Christ to your life. But then God said, I want you to make yourself 
yourself holy. I want you to cleanse yourself in the word. Cleanse yourself in prayer. I want you to live your life above reproach. I want you to live as a Christian ought to live. Look like a Christian. Talk like a Christian. Act like a Christian. Amen. Have a good testimony so that when the world looks at you, it don't bring a reproach on Christ and it does not bring a reproach on the church. Somebody say amen. You know what's so sad? Is that 40 years ago, sinners had more convictions than people sitting in the average church today. Anything goes in our church nowadays. When's the last time somebody stood up and just said, I want to thank God for the holiness of God. I want to thank God that there's no sin in the God that I serve. I want to thank God there's no defilement. I want to thank God that He's perfect. I want to thank God that He's righteous. I want to thank God that He's true. I want to thank God that His judgments are right. I want to thank God that His precepts are right. I want to thank God that His Word is unadulterated. I want to thank God that in Him, that He is holy. And because He is holy, thank God you and I that are so wicked and so ungodly and so undeserving one day we're going to stand in his likeness and we shall be like him we're not what we ought to be and we're not what we want to be but we're not what we're going to be friend one of these days thank God we can praise him we are going to be holy one of these days and we ought to try our best to be holy until we get there. We ought to praise Him for His character, who He is. And then He praises Him for His compassion. Look what He said in verse number 5. He said, For His anger endureth but a moment. Oh, thank God for that tonight. God is a God of anger. And He's a God of wrath. But I'm glad it only endures for a moment. I'm glad that God is a God of compassion tonight. You see, David was a man that experienced the love and the grace of God in his life, but he also knew what it was to experience the wrath and the anger of God. Some Christians live as though God has never been angry with them. They live as though they have never made God mad. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand tonight because we all have to raise our hand. We don't like to think that we have angered God. But I want to tell you something. None of us measure up to David tonight, I don't think. And David talked about in Psalms chapter 6. He said, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy hot displeasure, neither chasten me in thy anger. And David knew he had made God mad. He knew he had made God angry. And friend, we live in a society that has so watered down this word that they just want to speak a smoothing, a soothing word, a smooth word of love as if God never gets angry. God God never gets mad. Hey, listen, the Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. Amen. And then God can get angry at me. He can get angry at you. But thank God I'm glad there's mercy. I'm glad His compassions fail not. I'm glad, thank God, His mercies are new every morning. And great is thy faithfulness. And if we will repent over our sins, we can appease and turn the wrath of God into mercy. Amen. And so he praises him. That's a lesson in life. We ought to learn in life to praise God for who he is, not for what he does for us. I don't think there's anything wrong in getting up and praising God if he's blessed you with something. I think that that's all right. I think that that's okay. But I also think it's elementary that if all you ever praise God for is what he does, then you've, learned, you've, never, you've never stepped over the realm of what real worship is about, friend. 
You say, preacher, why would you say that? Because here's how you're going to spend your, work, your Christian life. You're going to spend your Christian life praising God when He hands you things and does things for you and when life is good. And then you're going to get the molly grubs and have a pity party when everything goes bad and say, woe is me. Look at those steady Christians. Look at those spirit-filled saints. You know what they've learned to do? You want to chalk this up and write it down. They've learned how to not whine through their Christian life. Amen? They've learned how to be steadfast. They've learned how to be steady. Look across the aisle at people that are walking through deep waters and deep valleys and ask yourself this question. How many times do you hear them complain? How many times do you hear them stand up and bellyache about the sorrows and troubles of life? I'm going to tell you something you don't hear that. You know why? Because they learned a long time ago not to praise God for what He does and what He doesn't do, but to praise God for who He is. Amen? He is the Lord, and He is worthy to be praised. And my friend, if He doesn't ever pass my way again, if He doesn't ever do anything else again, one of the great lessons of life is to learn to just simply raise your hand like Job said, and said, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. He is worthy to be praised tonight. It's a great lesson in life when you learn to worship God for who He is. And David, I see His protection. I see His praise. And then I see His presumption here in verse number 6 and 7. Notice that David's presumption in verse number 6 and 7. He said, And in my prosperity I said, I shall never be moved. Now one of the things about David tonight is this is he was always honest in the scriptures. The writers in this book does something that oftentimes people don't do in our society, Brother Laddie. They, like, they talked about both their triumphs and their failures. And I think oftentimes we live in a society today, especially young people, and I'm not accusing the young people in this church and the young couples in this church, but you ought to mark down what I'm about to say. We live in a society where everybody has, they build this facade of everything, this image where everything is gold. And it's not reality, friend. When you think about David, what he is doing in verse number 6, David simply makes it clear. He remembers his pride. He said, and in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. David said there was a time in my life that God had so blessed me and God had been so good to me that I flew so high that I said to myself, maybe he said it to others, I don't know, but whomever he said, at least within himself, you know what? I'm never going to be moved. You know, pride is something tonight that none of us likes to talk about. Me and my wife was talking coming up the road today and as we was coming up the road, we was just... You know, just going back and kindly doing what David did here, just reflecting on life. And one of the things we was talking about is we were raising our children coming up. And you know, I remember when they were coming up through their teenage years, there's something that both me and her made an agreement to. And that is we never said anything about raising our children while we were raising our children. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I mean, I never said anything about raising them. I'm going to tell you why I didn't do that. I had a great fear that they would not turn out for God. Brother, I'm telling you, you hear how quiet it is in this church right now because that's a reality every one of us needs to face tonight. I've had too many preacher friends. I remember when my girls were teenagers 
They made too many statements. Their children was doing great. The problem was they weren't through raising them. You see tonight, and I understand Sunday school teaching. Brother Wilson has been teaching uh, on child rearing, and I'm 1,000% for that. He knows that because I asked him to do that. I'm not talking about in that setting. I realize as preachers we have to preach and we have to give instructions and principles, but what I'm saying is as my children was coming up, I didn't say anything about raising them because I wasn't finished. I said, preacher, what would you do? We stayed on our knees. And we prayed because the enemy is more smarter and more stronger than any of us. And I'm telling you, I beg God throughout all of their years, and I'm not no great prayer, and I'm not saying that tonight, but if there's anything that was true, I could say this. I said, oh God, please, let my kids live for you. Let my children stay in church. And they, Listen, it happens with some and it doesn't with others. And It doesn't mean they didn't do right and it doesn't mean that we did do right. It just means the mercy and the grace of God is the only reason they come out. But I've watched too many crash and burn. I'm telling you read all the books you can read all the scripture you can put all the principles in them you can have all the standards and have all the convictions but can I tell you something at the end of the day if you don't stay on your face and even if you do it'll still be by the grace of God if they live for Jesus amen I'm going to tell you something tonight I pray harder for them now than I did when they were at home because you know why when they get married I don't care how strong their home looks you didn't cross the finish line when they got married brother I'm telling you the devil never quits tonight it's a sobering fault isn't it and it ought to be for every one of us tonight because if you're not careful, I watch too many preachers, men of God, and I'm not being critical. Their kids were living for God. I saw that pride swell up in them and they thought, man, they're doing good and tonight they're not even serving God. I'm telling you, in one day, in one moment, in one blink of an eye, they can turn like flipping a switch free. I've seen it happen to the best uh, and it can happen to me and it can happen to you. You know why? Because they're flesh just like we are. And David said there was a moment in my life when I let pride get in the way and God brought me down. God knows how to do that tonight. He talks about pride being remembered. He said in verse 7, pride was rebuked. He said, Lord, by thy favor, thou hast made my mountain, talking about his life, to stand strong. But watch this. Thou didst hide thy face and I was troubled. When David got to that place in his life where he remembered his pride, he also remembered his rebuke because what God did, God did one thing in David's life. He turned his face from him. Do you know tonight all God has to do to let our world turn upside down is just look the other way? Amen. I hope you all still with me. Hope I didn't knock the shout out of you tonight. Brother, I'm telling you, listen. All God has to do for this church to fall all to pieces after 50-something years of standing in the old-time way. Listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. We got the right Bible. We got the right beliefs. And we got the right convictions. But I'll tell you what will keep every one of us, this pastor, in our place tonight. What will keep the pride knocked out of every one of us tonight is remember you have every single bit of that. But if God chose to look the other way tonight, guess what? We'll bury this thing less than 30 days 
place. We'd lose the power. We'd lose the touch of God because it's not us keeping it going. It's not us operating this thing. It is God. Amen. I'm telling you, if you live for God, it's not you and it's not me. If our children live for God, it's not you. It's not me. If this church stays afloat, it's not you and it's not me. But it's because there's a God looking down and shining His face on us. And God said in this Word that when He looked the other way, David got in trouble. Amen. David knew. God, I need you. Don't ever forget. You need God tonight. I don't ever want to forget when I step in the pulpit how desperately I need God tonight. I've preached messages and every preacher here tonight can testify this. Sometimes you'll preach a message and God will just breathe on it in a very unusual way. And then sometimes you'll preach and it's like, man, you just don't even get off the ground, you know. I'm going to tell you, when people compliment you, better never boast about it. Don't ever brag about it. And don't ever believe it. Amen. I don't believe anything good that anybody says about me tonight. Amen. Boy, we're really getting down where the taters are at in the row, aren't we? You say, preacher, you don't, I don't believe it. Hey, I hope you'll keep saying things like, I love you, preacher, and that was a good job. Would you please still say those things? Because it still helps to hear it every now and then. But I'm going to tell you something, I don't believe one word of it. <laughs> please don't quit telling me that, because I don't think you'll hate me. But you ain't got to come, bra- say, listen, you ain't got to come, bra- you know why? I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to believe there's anything good in me tonight. I'm not going to believe that I can preach good. I'm not going to believe there's anything good. I'm not going to believe I've accomplished anything. Are you going to believe anything about you like that? Do you, hey singers, don't you believe you can sing good? Don't believe you can teach a good Sunday school class. Uh, the day you start believing that mess, uh, you might as well hang it up. You're going to get full of yourself. You're going to get full of pride. Uh, don't believe you're a good mother. Don't believe you're a good father. You say, but preacher, I don't want to think I'm a bad mother or a bad father. Hey, it might be what keeps you on your knees it might be what keeps you praying don't ever start thinking anything good about yourself amen man that even hurts me to preach that tonight don't believe anything don't ever believe one word of it brother Brian if you ever preach a sermon and God touches you go away and say the Lord be praised Go away and hang your head somewhere and say, God, thank you for not leaving me to myself tonight. Somebody get saved, say, Lord, thank you for doing what I could not do. Amen. I'm telling you, if you sing a song and God breathes on it, you want to bow your head and say, Dear God, thank you for just touching that song. It wouldn't have been nothing if you wouldn't have touched it. I feel I'd just plow this up for just a little bit tonight. Pride is eating us up. I mean, prestige is killing us outside the grace of God. Jesus said, Without me, ye can do nothing tonight. Amen. We can't do anything. It's a great lesson in life to learn to get the right perception. Then I want to close tonight. I see David's prayer in verse 8 and 9 and 10. As he said, I cried to the Lord. I'm going to tell you, when God turns his face, you'll cry. He said, I made supplication. That's his approach. And then his appeal. He said, what profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? 
Shall dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? You see, David believed that he was better alive serving God than he was dead. David said, if I die, he said, I'm of no value to God whatsoever. And then you see his agony. He said, hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. Do you know some of the greatest prayers you'll ever pray is prayers in the Psalms. Is asking God just simply what the psalmist said. Lord, set a watch before my lips. That's a great prayer to pray. Verse 10 is a great prayer to pray. Hear, O Lord, have mercy upon me, Lord. Be thou my helper. That's a prayer that we ought to ask God for every day. I see David's prayer. David was a great man of prayer. He knew how to get a hold of God. And then I close with this. I see David's proclamation in verse 11 and 12 tonight. David tells us two things in these two verses here. He tells us in verse 11 how greatly his life has been changed. He said, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. David said, You took my mourning and you turned it into dancing. He said, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. One of the great lessons of life is that David looks back and David makes this proclamation. He said, if I've learned anything about life, he said, I have learned how greatly his life has changed me. Can I just stop and say tonight, and I think you'll agree with this statement, God, that knowing Jesus Christ and being saved has greatly changed our life. It has greatly impacted our life. You think about where you used to be. Think about what you used to be. Think about where you would be at tonight before you met Jesus Christ. Is your life not different because of Him tonight? I don't care if you was raised in church. Brother Lydie, you was raised in church tonight. Saved as a seven-year-old boy in the springtime of what number was it? In 58. And can you imagine where I've heard you say it many times. uh, What kind of attitude you'd have in life today. Had it not been for Calvary. You might have stayed in church. But you might not have stayed in church. Uh, But can you imagine what kind of a person you'd be. Had you just had religion. But aren't you glad. uh, uh, Thank God in the springtime of 58. uh, uh, That Jesus came to where you was. uh, And saved you. uh, And your life has been changed forever. Because of that. He's been good to you. And he's blessed you. He said his, his life has greatly been changed. And then he said how greatly his life has been channeled in verse number 12. He said to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. He said, O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee. Now notice this. Forever. You know why God does things in our life. I think he does it because he's good. I think he does it to show grace. But I think ultimately why God does things in our life is that he might get the glory. The greatest sin that I'll ever commit, I think, as a child of God is to receive his goodness and not give him glory for it. David said, seven times a day will I praise thy name. How much time are we spending giving God glory? Amen. You know, if you spend your time giving God glory, then you don't have no time to complain. If we spend our days giving God glory, we don't have no time to criticize. If we spend seven times a day giving God glory, we don't even have time to bellyache and think about how poor old me is going through a hard time.
And I know y'all don't do that. But all them other people do. If we spend all our time praising God, guess what? One of the greatest lessons in life, if we spend our days thanking Him, then our worst day serving God is still better than our best day living for the devil. Isn't it good tonight to be a child of God? I don't care if it was raining outside and it was 10 below zero. I don't care if you had two flat tires sitting in the parking lot tonight. I don't care if the IRS sent you the biggest bill you've ever seen in your life. Do you know something? To sit in the house of God on a Wednesday night and have a King James Bible and be saved. Boy, we ought to just all call recess and say thank you. Thank you. He don't owe me anything tonight. He could have passed by my way. Heartaches, yes. Troubles, yes. But God has been better to me than I deserve tonight. While we stand, maybe you'd like to get around this altar tonight and say, Lord, thank you. You don't have to come tonight. If the Lord leads you, I want you to come. You just be sensitive. You don't have to come because I'm giving the invitation. But if you want to come, just say, Lord, I want to say thank you tonight. You just mind him while Brother Brian sings. You obey the Lord tonight.